Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Welcome, Intelligentsia. <laughs> Welcome to the Jeffers Brief. I am John Jeffers, your host on the Jeffers Brief. Glad you're here. Today, start of another week of the insane lunacy that continues in the D.C. bubble. But, I don't need to tell you that. You're already aware of it. What we're going to talk about is uh, over at Survivorpedia. Nice little article. And it's for you preppers and patriots out there. Are your emergency plans really complete? Bill White wrote this. It's very good. I like it. And I think it actually raises a good question because let's face it. As a prepper, are you really ever complete on your preps? And the answer is no. We, you never really are. But it could be there are some things that you should prep for that are more likely to happen as opposed to others that may not. And with those plans, that's where you really got to get into the nitty-gritty details and really check it out. But we can learn a lot by looking back where it's happened and how people reacted to it, even if we weren't personally affected by the disaster. Now, those lessons may be what we need to learn to survive the next upcoming catastrophe. Now, according to Bill, he says, I've already discussed the cascading efforts of the February 2021 freeze and how a simple cold front should have been a simple cold front, albeit a rather severe one turned into a dangerous situation as one system failed after another. So, let's do a little thing here, okay? The infrastructure we have created in modern society is incredibly complex. But we have seen each piece of it dependent upon others, so what starts to affect one part of our lives can gr quickly grow into something that affects Everything we depend on. It's a cascade effect. One failure after on top of another, on top of another. It just doesn't stop. So when we talk about the effects of an EMP or a CME, but we don't necessarily apply it to other potential disasters. It's commonly believed that those grid-down events will cause significant disruption in our lives, leading, well, to many people dying. But we don't expect something relatively minor to have the same effect, yet... If that freeze was any example, we reached the point where things that seem to be relatively minor can end up having a rather significant impact. So one of the first things in the Texas freeze was freezing rain, impacted even before the power went out. Texas is a state where freezing usually means it's under 60 degrees. Not enough to freeze much of anything, yet this freezing rain turned the streets into ice, causing a nearly 100-car pileup in Fort Worth. Now, freezing rain may not sound much of a problem, but it can immediately invalidate our plans to get home as well as any plans to bug out, ride out the disaster at a remote survival retreat somewhere. And I have yet to see anyone who has a bug out vehicle that's designed to be able to drive on black ice. Anyone whose primary survival plan involved bugging out suddenly found their plans thwarted before they could even get start to put them into effect. Did those people have a backup plan? Were they prepared to bug in as well as bug out? I don't know. If they lost power while stuck in their homes, were they prepared? Or were there all their plans based upon being able to bug out and get to their survival retreat? 
I don't know what the plans are. There's always a chance that you won't implement them. Like I've said before, you may not survive a critical event. It depends on where you are, what you're doing, and what the event is. You may not make it. Roll the dice, baby. Life is a gamble. Because there are just too many variables involved in a survival scenario for us to be sure that we know what will happen ahead of time. That leaves us making some educated guesses along the way, any of which can be fairly flawed. Then what? What do you do then? That's why any plan we come up with needs alternatives. Not only an option for the overall plan, but options for every portion of our overall plan, otherwise known as contingencies. There is no way we can know beforehand what is going to fail and what is not. We'll find out when it's too late to do any more planning. Now, improvising on the fly is a useful ability. It's not something we want to count on. The word is redundancy. And while it is something we talk about when it comes to the gear in our bug out bags, for example, one is none, two is one. Have you heard that before? But when it comes to the rest of our preps, it can easily get forgotten. Plans are exciting things, aren't they? We've got to have them, but at the same time, we can't count on them. We have to be ready to abandon or modify our plans immediately, even while we're trying to survive that situation. So one of the reasons we make plans is to give us a framework for preparation. Even if we don't follow our plans exactly, most of what we do for prepare for implementing that plan will be useful. A stockpile of food and water, the ability to purify water, start a fire are pretty much universal, useful, uh, regardless of what happens. The other big reason why we plan is that it is tough to think clearly during a crisis. The fight or flight reflex injects masses amounts of adrenaline into our system so we can run or fight. But that same adrenaline makes it harder for us to think as well as lowering our dexterity. That makes it harder, harder for us to do a wide range of tasks, such as shooting a gun, starting a fire. At the same time, we struggle to reason through the situation. Nevertheless, it's precisely what we need to do. Apply reason to the situation, thinking things through and deciding what the best course of action is in the exact situation. That might mean staying home and bugging in because of the black ice, even if we don't have power and water. So we all need to be ready both to bug in and bug out. While most survival writers today recommend bugging in as our first option, the people of Paradise, California were forced to bug out when their town burnt to the ground. I, you know, I hope they had all their bug out plans and orders. So we have to stockpile our equipment and supplies, which we can use to get us through disaster and its aftermath. But what do we do if we're faced with a long-term survival situation? How do we continue to survive past where our stockpile will take us? Look, look at the stockpile as what it is, emergency food and water, until, until you can get a more permanent solution going. Get it implemented. Let's face it. Many of you preppers out there have a stockpile of food and water. Could you move all of it if you had to bug out? 
What if you couldn't make it to your bug out retreat? What if you had to bug out somewhere other than that? Can you load up all your supplies in one vehicle? Maybe, if you could get it. How many of you are in actual physical condition to do that? How long would it take you? What are you going to take? You can't take it all. What if you couldn't take it all? You got to pick out, okay, I got this, this, and this, but I can't take that, that, and that. Things to think about. So you've got to make sure somehow, somewhere you have more than one source. All right? Ideas. Think about it. All right. I'll I put it out there and to think things through. By the way, my friends, I may, may not know this, but many, not, not, I don't want to say many, I'm going to say this. A quarter of our listeners on Contra Radio Network are female. Men do not dismiss this. I'm going to tell you why right now. Women are more detail-oriented. If you don't believe me, if you're married, if you've ever listened to your wife talk to her friends, whether it's on the phone or in person, they discuss everything in minute detail. Now, us men, we like to communicate in generalities, maybe some detail, but not to the extent that women do. So if you have a woman in your life who agrees with your prepping, I would suggest you listen to her when it comes to the details. That's the way women are built. Men, we have, you can say, well, we need food and water. And your significant other will say, yes, we do. And this is the kind of food we need to have. This is the type of food we need to have. This is the type of water we need to have. This is how we do. You know what? Include them in it. Don't shut them out. If you have a female in your life who doesn't agree with your prepping, perhaps, perhaps you might want to include them into planning. Let them have some input. You might be surprised at the amount of cooperation you get. Ladies, welcome to the Jeffers Brief. Welcome to Contra Radio Network. I'm glad you're here. Oh, and by our demographics for age groups has changed. I started this podcast in 2014. 2014, been doing it for seven years, my friends. Nearly seven years. Uh, yeah, in April, next month, it will be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Pretty sure in April, it'll be seven years. We used to have people who were... 40 and 50 years old used to be the dominant age group. Not so. Our dominant age group now is 18 to 24. 18 to 24. Now, I would like to credit the Democrats for locking down the states. Yes, I'm going to give them credit for something that they've done. They don't have to steal it from anybody. They get the full credit for helping move people into preppers. Because today is what, March 8th? That means, my friends, 
in nine days, we will have probably hit that anniversary of when the first lockdowns came for the virus. Hence, hence, you remember the grocery shelves being empty? The runs? Not the other, not the kind that require, I got to have 18 cases of toilet paper. The runs on the food? Remember that? Coming up on the one-year anniversary. And because of them, prepping has become, I think, I don't know if it's the norm, but it's not so unusual anymore. It's not like it used to be where, well, you're a prepper? You must be a survivalist. You whack job, get out of here. No. It's become much more acceptable to go ahead and store extra food, extra water, extra supplies in your house. It's okay now. You're not looked at with the stink eye that maybe you aren't really normal. But anyways, I digress. I, I, mission creep has creeped into the broadcast, I know. So let me do this, my friends. You know what? I'm, I'm a little... I wrote down some ideas here I want to talk to you about. I got comments. I got comments today. Now, I've been listening to, oh, the Democrats say we got to gas this COVID relief now. Now. Well, where were you fuckers in the summertime when you were opposing the Trump administration's ability to get the COVID relief out? Oh, that's right. You didn't want to give Trump any victories, so you made the American people suffer financially. You couldn't put, no, no, you can't go to work. You get a little bit of unemployment. Good luck on paying your rent. You know what? The Democrats, when they tell you, when they tell you that we got to get it out right away, well, you know what? Where was that urgency in July and August and September and October? Where was it then? Yeah, screw you. You guys can kiss my white ass. In fact, you can kiss both sides of my white ass. There's your white privilege. Kiss my ass, fuckers. I'm sorry if bad words offend you by all means. As my friend Mark Boyle would say, go back to your parents' basement. Here's another question. Oh, we got to get vaccinated. We got to get vaccinated. I got a couple points here I want to make. And I haven't got an answer. Now, COVID has about a 94, 96% recovery rate. Why do we need a vaccine that has that high of a recovery rate? And speaking of the vaccines, I I have to ask, and it, it's this. I believe that the way this vaccine works, and I've explained to it on other episodes of the Jeffers Brief, the way it works, as it was explained to me, in layman's terms, look, not a doctor, not a biologist, Oh, by the way, if you want to listen to somebody that knows biology, listen to Dave Kirshner's, uh, sorry, Dave Kirshner's episode three. 
here on Contra Radio Network. His wife teaches biology. It might do you well to listen to someone other than me because, let's face it, I'm just, I'm not cute. But the way that the vaccine supposedly works is that it teaches or it downloads the information to your, to your immune system on how to build an antibody should the COVID, should your body detect this, the COVID virus. Now, I've been thinking about this, and this vaccine is, works differently. Mainly because it's downloading instructions to your immune system on how to build a defense. My guess, my friends, this is the future of vaccines. How we're going to start seeing how immunology is going to change from what it was, say like a, a smallpox vaccine or whatnot. We're going to see this new look, this new way of the future vaccines are going to be in the future. Now, it is possible, and that, and I've said it before, why in the hell were the Chinese playing with this crap anyways? Bad things are going to happen because we have humans. Humans make mistakes. Humans do dumb things. Guess what? That's why we're preppers. But anyways, when you look at, okay, are the Chinese the only ones playing with this kind of stuff with biological uh, uh, organisms and viruses? No, they're not. And to think so is foolish and naive. The United States does. I'm sure the Russians have. We know the Chinese have. I wouldn't be surprised if the North Koreans are playing with it too. Regardless, this won't be the last we see. So, for that. Now, here's another thing. Texas, Mississippi, I believe it's South Carolina, West Virginia. I believe Arizona's lifting it now. They're all lifting their mask mandates. Connecticut, they're all lifting their mask mandates. Let me ask you something. Now, how many of you in your local news, you know, you watch the local news, and they're stoking the fire of panic. COVID this, COVID that, yada, yada. It never freaking ends. And then, then they say, well, here, like, for example, here in Illinois, you know, the positivity rate's down to 2.8%. Excuse me. Why, if masks work, if mask is the magic mandate along with the vaccine, if that's the magic cure, why are there still cases of COVID popping up? Even before the mass influx of illegal immigrants across our southern border, God help them, those states are just getting inundated. But the CDC last week quietly admitted that masks have a negligible effect on the virus. So why? Why? A lot of theories out there. You know, it was Fauci and the Surgeon General when it first came in March. I remember this, and so do you, my friends. I'm sure you do. Don't have to wear a mask. It's not going to help you. And then like three days, a week later, it all changed. What changed? All of a sudden, it's, we got a mask up. It got so bad, many of us, and I'm one of them, my friends, was like, what in the hell is this crap? 
Not only did we wear masks, we had plastic gloves, too, going to the grocery store. Oh. And then they said, no, you don't have to wear gloves. It's all right. And then it turns out that the mask only decreased the COVID spread by 1.8%. Look it up on the CDC. We have to follow the science. We have to. Well, apparently we only follow the science when it suits our political agenda and our political philosophy. Other than that, no. Don't want to hear it. You should double up your masking. Yeah, because you know what? Wearing one mask works so well. No, no, and no. I'm just putting it out there, guys. Um, what else do I want to bitch about? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, over the weekend, Don Lowry and I did a uh, PLS, marketing, internet marketing. We, we talked about it because a lot of you don't want to sit there and watch a 15-minute video. Instead, we gave you a half-hour video in which we're just talking about giving you the highlights of it and why. Why did we choose to use PLS? Um, and something I've neglected in that you can do this virtually anywhere in the world. So there. And they're saying, well, why are you doing this? Well, because I asked for donations for seven years, and I got to tell you, very few considering our audience size, very few of you actually donated. And that's okay. You get this show for free. But I thought as long as you're getting this information for free, why not, you know, throw, throw in a... I asked for $2. $2. I couldn't even get that. Only from, again, a very relative few. Some gave, I think I had like three or four people that gave a little bit more. But again, there you go. That's why we're doing it. Um, the person that did ask me, why are you doing this? Well, because um, I've been asking for seven years and you didn't even bother throwing in $2, really? $2 is all I asked for. $2. Ooh. Careful, might break the bank. Well, guess what? Thanks to the fact that the lockdowns made people unemployed, you know what? $2 could make a difference. But hopefully the dam has broken now. We don't have to deal with these mask mandates much longer unless you're in a blue state. And the blue states are, they will never, ever, ever, ever admit they were wrong for locking down. They will never admit that their mask mandates were wrong, that they were wrong on it. They'll never, ever, ever admit to it. Ever! So be it. Here in Illinois, we have a saying, Pritzker sucks. In fact, we got yard signs that say that. You people in California, good God, I don't know how you people managed to stay there. I know, you're trapped, I get it. And there's no way out, I get it. Oh, well. All right, my friends. You know what? Hold on. I got something else I want to talk about. Uh, Bill O'Reilly. I like Bill O'Reilly. And he's going to, he, he talks about why Biden is even more dangerous than Obama was. And I'm going to play it, let you listen to it for yourself. All right, my friends? So it's about 10 minutes long. So listen up. All right? Here we go. It's important for you to know how crazy things are 
in the people's house. Okay, so there was a vote yesterday to have the federal government certify that 16-year-olds can vote. That was voted down. But 125 Democrats in the House voted for it. They want 16-year-olds to be able to vote, 125. Um, no Republicans supported the issue. The uh, vote was sponsored by Ayanna Presley, one of the squad, there she is, uh, who is representing a district in Massachusetts. Now, the Bay State, uh, I spent so much of my time there, I don't know. I mean, I can't even imagine what you guys up there are doing with this and Elizabeth <laughs> Warren. and I mean, what, what's going on? Anyway, that's done. But what isn't done uh, is H.R. 1. The For the People Act, which passed, passed the House yesterday, 220 to 210. Now, were you aware of that? Do you see that on any of the TV news? And keeping us real quiet. And I'll tell you why they're keeping it quiet. Now, Biden, and I'll get to him in a minute, supports the For the People Act. All right. There was only one Democrat in the House voting against it, Benny Thompson of Mississippi, only one. So it passed 220 to 210. Now, I'm going to give you 10 things that would happen if the H.R. 1 is passed in the Senate. Listen carefully. Which won't be, and I'll explain in a moment. Number 10, um, same-day voter registration. So you just show up and you can register, all right? Voter ID laws... Um, you don't have to show an ID. Don't have to show one. All right. All convicted criminals who are let out get to vote. Um, Fifteen consecutive days of early voting permitted to every state. Fifteen days. It prohibits states from restricting a person's ability to vote by mail. Okay, they can vote by mail any way they want. Any anything. As many okay. times as you want. And it passes the Disclose Act, which require PACs and dark money political organizations to make their donors public. That's not a bad thing. That's the only positive thing I've seen. Um, it bans, uh, it creates a new ethics code for the U.S. Supreme Court, ensuring all branches of government are impacted by the new law. That means the Supreme Court couldn't overthrow any part of the For the People Act. So let me just, just give it to you. No voter ID, no voter registration. You can come the day of the vote. No limits on uh, mail-in voting at all. You can count the votes months after. You can do whatever you want. So this is basically should be called Anarchy for the People Act. Right. And again, Biden supports it. So the vote, the bill, H.R. 1, now goes to the Senate, where you'd have to get 60 votes because they'll filibuster it. To pass, it's never going to even come close to that. Everybody knows that. All right? It's not going to close. And even if it did pass, the Supreme Court would knock it down like that. Because the individual states have the right to put up rules about how you vote. Now, we need voter reform in this country. We need a congressional act signed by a president okay, to say we shouldn't have unlimited uh, mail-in voting. You should have to produce an ID before you vote. Canada does. Why can't we? Canada is a very liberal country. Why can't we? Mexico does. 
got to show an ID. If you can't get an ID, which is impossible, anybody can get an ID, government will send you one. Send them a little letter. We'll send you an ID. Okay. So, um, 20 attorneys general throughout the United States have signed a letter saying this whole thing, H.R. 1, is unconstitutional, which it is. It is. It is. Okay, so don't worry about it. The takeaway for you, the honest American, is that the Democrats want this. They want chaos in every election. Uh, yes, if the Democrats want it, chances are it's bad. Because chaos works for them. Right. So, Joe Biden. Now, you all remember, because I got tons of mail, when I said, <laughs> hey, I'm a fair guy. I believe in Judeo-Christian philosophy. Um, and I'm going to give Joe Biden a chance, because he asked for a chance. So, if you come to me and say, O'Reilly, maybe I did something bad in the past, or maybe I'm misguided or was, but I'd like you to give me a chance, because I'm going to try to live my life or, or do what I do in a positive way. I'm going to give you a chance. I am. Unless I know you and I think you're a charlatan. So I don't know Biden. I've met him once. Um, I don't agree with his policies, but doesn't mean I'm not going to give him a chance. Well, now that's over. That's over. As soon as he supported this bill, which is flat out unconstitutional, and if passed, would ensure Democrats win every election forever. As soon as he supported that, I said, this isn't a guy who wants the best for America. Right, now, this is my opinion. No, it isn't. It's but right. I gave him a chance, and now I know that Joe Biden is dangerous. All right? I used to say he was befuddled, which is, of course, true. You think? Now I'm telling you, He's dangerous. He's a lot more dangerous than Barack Obama was. Oh, yeah. There's a big difference between the philosophy of Barack Obama publicly stated, publicly stated, and the philosophy of Joe Biden, who has absolutely got Stockholm Syndrome. You know what Stockholm Syndrome is? <laughs> Patty Hearst, Symbionese Liberation Army, they kidnapped her, and she became one of them. Um, I said this before. You, when you watch the Joe Biden uh, sign the executive orders when he first got into office, it looked like a hostage video out of the Middle East. People wearing masks, people staying right by him to make sure he doesn't go off cue, and him mumbling something, and it's like, just shut up and sign it, Joe. Oh, okay. You know, so yeah, it looks like a hostage video. That's what Biden has. The progressives have kidnapped him in jail, held him in a basement for all those months. Yeah. And now they're part of the uh, team. Yeah. Give me a P. <laughs> Give me an R. Give me an O. So Biden's dangerous. <laughs> Biden doesn't want a vibrant democracy. He doesn't want a spirited debate. He's not going to hold press conferences. They're calling him Hyden Biden on talk radio now. <laughs> All right, not going to answer any question. Jen Psaki will answer them. All Biden's going to do is what he's told. Now, who's telling him? Right. Now, we've been over this and over this. Um, Susan Rice is telling him what to do. The consensus goes to Ms. Rice. 
top domestic advisor, even though she has no experience in that area at all. The only experience Susan Rice has is she's best friends with Michelle Obama. That's all. She's a foreign policy expert. Expert? Hey, well, okay. She's the one who misled either. the world about the Libyan situation, all right, where the four Americans were murdered. Anyway, Susan Rice is the liaison to the progressive far left. And they kick it around, discuss it, whatever it may be, and then the conclusions come to Joe Biden. So yesterday, Biden got two. The first one was, yes, HR, the bill to make the elections corrupt, we're going to support that, and we're going to call the states of Mississippi and Texas and the other states who open up on COVID, we're going to call them Neanderthals. Unifying. That's what Biden called them. Now, that was given to him. He didn't make it up. No. And he mispronounced Neanderthal, which I did, too. It's Neanderthal. I didn't know that, but I don't care. A Neanderthal is a caveman. So Biden slams Texas and Mississippi and any other state that opens up because the progressives don't want the government to open up. Why? We went over this yesterday, because they want a strong central government, and they're establishing that yes, now with COVID to tell you what you can and can't do, can and can't have. That's exactly what's happening. Now, if you think that I'm exaggerating or I'm, I back every single thing up. So the state of Florida, which from the very beginning in COVID took a moderate path, Opposed to the state of California, which closed down the entire state, causing untold suffering. Yep. All right. California has more COVID cases in Florida. Yep. Yeah. Population's a little bit more, but I'm doing proportion. And the California governor, Newsom, he's on his way out. They got two million signatures to boot him out of there. And that's gonna, that vote will be held in uh, the summer because he's destroyed the state. Whereas DeSantis, the governor of Florida, he took a lot from the media. Yeah, he did. But that state is pretty vibrant. Yep. Now, Florida. And that's the best comparison you can always see. Now, did Biden say to DeSantis, hey, good job, Ron? Good job. You know, you coasted that right through and you didn't destroy small business in your state and people are coming there. And, hey, nice job. That's the way all states should be. Did he do that? I don't think so. He'd never do that. Biden. So is he looking out for everybody? No, he's not. He's on the progressive train. I gave him a chance. So 40 days, he's had a chance from Bill. It's over. Can he redeem himself? If there's a miracle, if it's St. Paul on the road to Damascus, <laughs> and all of a sudden, and then Paul becomes a very religious person, Maybe Joe in the basement. I, I don't know. It's important. Well, there you go. Yes, HR one. They and we. I told you before this is going to happen. The Democrats are going to overreach, and they have. And now they're getting crazy. Sixteen-year-olds going to vote. Are you? What are you smoking? Here, let's make it real. Oh, yes. Come on. 
I just wanted to sit there and put it out to you. And I'm sure something else is going to crap up later on in the week. So I just wanted to put it out there for you. And um, think, eh, let's watch what happens in Minnesota. I'll be surprised if that guy can get a fair trial at all there, the, the uh, Chauvin, the officer. The one has been that was doing the kneeling, you know. The thing of it is, this is and this is what I want, I want you to uh, look out for during the trial. Some side, whether it's the prosecution or the defense, is going to bring up one. That is what the Minnesota Police Academy teaches as a restraining tactic. Now the question is, did Chauvin implement? the training as he was taught. And then the second question, and it's going to come up, how many times have you used this particular tactic? It's going to come up there. Now, do I think they're just waiting to burn down at Minneapolis again? Probably. Oh, well. And will the Minnesota City Council act like the silly socialists that they are? Probably. And therefore, if you voted for them, you know what they say, you get what you vote for. Or unless, of course, the 2020 election, you get what you cheat for. So, Oh, by the way, my prediction is this, my friends. They have already planned and probably starting to implement 25th Amendment procedures on Biden so that Kamala Harris can take over. You want to see a fun shit show when that happens? Get your popcorn ready. But but bear in mind, my friends, the Republican Party will go along to get along. They have very few members that have any spine. For example, on McConnell, I don't know how he manages to sit in a chair. He has no spine. And he's not alone. So, I wouldn't count on Republicans doing anything but rolling over. That seems to be what they do best. Unless they're Trump Republicans, in which case they're okay to go, you know, go toe-to-toe with these clowns. As they should, but you know how it is. All right. So, until next time, thanks for listening. I'm John Jeffers here on the Contrario Network. On the Jeffers Brief, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. <laughs>